0: So I'm sure you guys will all agree with me. It's been great to have so many people join the church this year, right? Hasn't that been awesome? Yes. And, you know, I I always enjoy getting to meet with them and and find out about their religious backgrounds and uh, find out where they're from and uh, about whatever brought them to a tiny little place called Zephyr Hills. And, uh, you know, generally just getting to know them and, and them getting to know me... Uh, but it always happens that during the course of those kind of interactions that folks usually get around to asking me what they should call me, right? Should, should they call me uh, reverend or, or, or chaplain or, or pastor? Uh, and then, once we figure that out, should they use that whichever title with my first name or my last name? Uh, and you guys all know me well enough to know I'm not hung up on any of that kind of thing. So I usually just say, uh, you can call me anything, just not late for dinner, Right? <laughs> But, but, you know, in some cases, names can be very serious. Uh, they can be a very serious business. Like in the case of today's psalm, as David, right in the opening lines, calls out to God, and more specifically, uh, calls out to the power of his name to preserve David's life and deliver him from his enemies. So if you're following along in your Bible, and I hope you are, we're going to be reading Psalm 54, which is superscribed to the choir master with stringed instruments, a maskele of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? So the psalmist writes, O God, save me by your name, and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. It's the word of the Lord. You know, we come again today to another one of those handful of psalms that I was telling you about that give us almost the exact day and time that prompted its writing. Uh, and again, it's, it's one of those fast-paced accounts of adventure and, and intrigue as David and his band of mighty men narrowly escape the armies of the evil King Saul who were closing in around him from both sides of a mountain pass. And I really encourage you to read it on your own from First Samuel when you're home later today, but for right now, instead of focusing on the details of the actual event that inspired the psalm, I want to just kind of hone in on uh, half of one particular verse that came out of it. And actually that's the, the first half uh, of verse one where David prays, "O oh God, save me by your name." Because uh, as I said, names are important. Names have meanings. And just think about it, on on the day you were born, your parents gave you one, right? A name that you'll carry with you uh, all throughout the rest of your life. Your name is how you introduce yourself to other people. And it's how other people identify you. Uh, In fact, I've even heard of parents that that agonize and oftentimes argue over what to name their kids. Anybody ever go through that? Right? Uh, Some of you are named after uh, some famous people. Or maybe a beloved member of your family. Uh, some of you go by a nickname. Maybe one that someone hung on you for one reason or another, or maybe you use it because you don't really care for your, your real given name. Uh, now, some of you have uh, special names you call members of your family, and I, I don't mean the four-letter names, but, but names that are terms of endearment and, and that express love and, and affection. Uh, and, and sometimes names can give us a clue to a person's, uh, their profession or, or a physical trait or... Uh, an aspect of their character, like, like honestly, in my case, I I actually have been called a genius on more than one occasion. Really, it's true. It's true. Like somebody will look at me and go, uh, "Real smart, genius," <laughs> or, or uh, "Good job, genius," or, or like when I come up with an idea, you know, maybe a council, and somebody will go, "Who was the genius that came up with that plan?" Right? At least I think that's what they meant. But anyway. But seriously, though, names are special, and they should be. Uh, And if names are are special and important in today's culture, they were even more so in the biblical culture, where names were filled with meaning, because for them, names were more than just an identifier, but a way of truly understanding someone's reputation or their character or, or their place in God's plan. Like a good, for instance, is the name Adam. The name Adam means of the earth. or or of the dust. Uh, Abraham means the father of many nations. Isaac means laughter, right? Do you remember that story? (laughs) Remember in Genesis 18 when the angel of the Lord tells Abraham that that he and Sarah are going to have a baby in their old age, right? And how Sarah just happens to be listening in and she starts laughing. Well, what happens? Uh, A year later, they have a baby and they name him Isaac because of her laughter and maybe because of the joy that they knew Isaac would bring into their lives. And and the, the importance of names and namings doesn't stop there. Uh, if you've been with us in a recent Bible study, you know that we just dealt with a book of biblical names. Uh, a book that our Jewish brothers and sisters call Sefer Shemot. Now, in English, the book of Shemot is the one we call Exodus. Uh, and we call it that because for us, it tells us the story of uh, the israelites exodus or their departure from egypt but but in hebrew the books of the bible are named after the first word in the text and so this one begins Vehelah shemot benai israel, which means these are the names of the sons of israel Th- that's that's what the hebrew word shemot means it means names because the book of exodus starts out by giving us the names of the people that came down to egypt with jacob In fact, it tells us in Exodus 1, it says, These are the names of the sons of Israel, that's Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his own family. And then it gives us the list. There's Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah, uh, Issachar and Zebulun and Benjamin and Dan and Naphtali and Gad and Asher. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. Uh, And with this story and this list of individuals, we leave behind the older generations of Adam and Noah and Abraham. uh, And we begin to follow the adventures of a new generation of this family that leads us to names like Moses and Aaron and Joshua. And when when you're reading through all of this at first, it seems like it's going to be a book about all of the names of all of the people that were involved that are recounted but as you go deeper it turns out instead to be a book not about the names of people instead it turns out it's really a book about the names of god and in fact in uh exodus chapter 3 as moses stands on holy ground in front of that burning bush uh, you remember how god revealed his name as i am Uh, then in chapter 6 as as god has given moses that pep talk Uh, about how to go to appear to pharaoh we learn that god uh, appeared to all the ancestors of israel calling himself the name of abraham and the god of isaac and the god of jacob and also revealed that his name as el shaddai which means god almighty in chapter 20 god makes his sacred name known to the israelites at mount sinai and he starts out by introducing himself and saying i am the lord your god the god who brought you up out of the land of slavery And I think that may be one of the most important ones in the book. Uh, Because if you think about it, you know, God could have introduced himself and said, I'm your God, the God of creation. Or he could have said, I am your God, the king of heaven and earth. Or he could have introduced himself and saying, I'm God, the all-powerful. But instead, in his very first direct communication with his covenant people, he says, I am God, your redeemer. I'm God who delivered you. I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the God of your salvation. And you know, it's that same sentiment uh, in the words of David today in Psalm 54 when he prays, Oh God, save me by your name. Because remember, when we see that, that word save or salvation in the Old Testament, you're seeing the Hebrew word Yeshua, right? That literally means God saves. And it's also the same word, that same name given to king david's greatest descendant our lord jesus christ so if you remember in matthew 121 when that angel gabriel that spoke to mary and then to joseph in his dream uh, he said joseph son of david do not fear to take mary for your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she'll bear a son and you shall call his name what jesus yeah yeshua in hebrew is yeshua jesus For he'll save his people from their sins. Because in God's divine plan for the world, for his chosen people, is that there is salvation in only one name. Because God has given no other avenue, no other word, no other name under heaven by which men could be saved. That's why Romans 10 tells us, uh, but what does it say? This word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your hearts. It's a word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And you know, that's what being a Christian really means. You you know, despite whatever else the world or the worldly church may try to teach us or convince us, the confession of and the acknowledgement of jesus christ as lord of our lives and then living out that communion with him is what being a christian is really all about which naturally leads us to the question what does it mean for us to be associated with the name of jesus what, what does it really mean bottom line for us to be called christians and you may not have thought about this you may or may not know this but there was a time when followers of Jesus were known as something else other than Christians. Anybody know what that is? So we actually take a look at the Bible that I can show you. If you look at Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, uh, actually just before a pretty significant name change of his own, if you remember when Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul, the Scriptures tell us beginning in verse 1 there, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, followers of the way that he found there. And he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains so that these first followers of Christ were simply known as the people of the way a name that probably refers to uh, when Jesus himself tells us in John fourteen six, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So from the very beginning of that church on the day of Pentecost, the disciples and followers of Jesus were known as the people of the way, and it stayed that way, if you forgive the pun, until we get to a story about the early church in Acts chapter 11. So if you turn over just a couple chapters to 11 that tells us uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So it was at the church of Antioch that believers were first called Christians. But then you have to wonder, like, where did they get that name from? Like, did the, the elders at the church of Antioch call for a special congregational meeting after worship and uh, one Sunday, and they sat around and decided to call themselves Christians? No, that's not how it happened. Most commentators actually agree that the name Christian was not a name that the followers of Christ chose for themselves. It actually started out as an insult, believe it or not. It was a derogatory name, one that was tagged on the followers of Jesus by non-believers. And that originally was a name of ridicule. It was originally a name of derision. Because you see, when when unbelievers first called the followers of Christ Christians, what they were doing was mocking them. They were saying, "You, you people are trying to be a bunch of little Christs you think like that Christ that we crucified and, and you act like that Christ that we killed and you talk like that Christ that we buried and you live like that Christ. Why, you're, you're nothing but a bunch of Christians. Right? Now, of course, we know the first part of that name refers to Jesus Christ, God's only Son, and the, the suffix I-A-N, that means belonging to or, or coming from or to be like. So the name Christian means belonging to Christ. It means for us to to be like Christ. And in time, that name kind of caught on, and it was adopted by our Lord's followers as a badge of honor and really took on a whole new meaning, a whole different connotation, one that really you and I need to fully embrace if we want to go around using the name. Because for you and me, we hold the name and the title of Christian with reverence, don't we? I don't know about you, but I'm honored to wear my family name, my surname, right? I'm honored to be associated with the name of my hometown and my state. Uh, Even though I'm honored to be descendants from generations of German and Austrian patriots, uh, I'm very honored to wear the name and the title of American. But the most honorable name and title that I have the privilege of wearing is the precious name of Jesus, that name that identifies me with jesus christ that name christian Uh, and although it was originally intended to be a name of ridicule and of mockery being identified with jesus christ is very special to me and if you're in christ i know it is to you too in fact if we want to find out just how special it is to the lord's followers the apostle paul tells us in philippians 2 he says therefore god elevated him to the place of highest honor And gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And brothers and sisters, today, you and I wear that name. We wear that name of Christian. That name that is above every name, that name that one day every knee is going to bow to. And I'll tell you something else, folks. That's not going to happen in the name of Muhammad. That's not going to happen uh, in the name of Joseph Smith. It's not going to happen in the name of Buddha or Confucius or any other religious leader that was ever born, but it will happen one day at the name of Jesus. One day the tongue of every atheist, every agnostic, every Muslim, uh, every Hollywood actor and actress who now mock and ridicule Jesus and, and curse the name of jesus and take his holy name in vain one day all of those folks will humbly confess through sobs of regret that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords to the glory of god the father and and because we know that because we know that's true it means that you and i should never be embarrassed or ashamed to claim that precious name of jesus because one day it's going to be honored through the whole universe and and I think there's really some practical ways that we can actually start doing it right now. We don't have to wait for that future to come. We can uphold the honor and the dignity of our Lord and of the name Christian. One of the ways that we can do that is confessing the name of Jesus Christ before other people, right? In front of anyone that'll listen. That's why Matthew 10:32, uh, Jesus actually says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But, you know what happens after a but in the sentence? The whole thing changes, right? But, whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And that's a scary thought, isn't it? You know, I don't know if you guys know Dr. David Jeremiah, uh, but he, he said once, don't ever pass up an opportunity to put in a good word for Jesus. Right? He said, let's not ever be ashamed or, or embarrassed or, or hesitant to mention that precious name of Jesus Christ, no matter who we're with. Uh, Whether it's our non-Christian loved ones and friends, uh, whether it's the people we work around, or the people in the neighborhood where we live, uh, or even total strangers, when we thank the Lord for the food that we eat when we're out at a restaurant. Uh, Not because we, we want other people to see us doing it, that's not the point. The point is so that we can show other people that we honor and acknowledge the name of Christ. And kind of tying into that thought, we can also uphold the honor of the Christian name by carefully guarding our Christian witness. In fact, Colossians 4 uh, warns us to be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, meeting those who are out, outside the kingdom of God, and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. First Thessalonians 4 tells us, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you. And then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you won't need to depend on others. And we've talked a lot about this in Bible study too on Wednesday nights, uh, about how the way that you and I live our lives when we're outside the four walls of this church building really speaks volumes to those that are outside of Christ. And we have to understand and remember that this name of Christian that we wear holds us to a higher standard of scrutiny than any other name we could be associated with, right? Because if people know that you're a Christian, they're watching you, whether you know it or not. They're watching your lifestyle. And they're watching your habits. And they're watching your work ethics. And they're watching the entertainments that you enjoy. And they're listening to the words that come out of your mouth. They're observing your attitudes. They're watching how you treat other people. And they're looking to see if you're a person that holds grudges or if maybe you're a person who makes their first effort at peace. And more importantly than that, they're noticing how you respond to adversity. Do you respond to adversity with fear or with faith? And please, don't, don't get me wrong. None of us are going to do this perfectly all the time, right? I mean, just least of all me, just ask my family. Right? They have, they've got to live with me every day. But the point is, every day we need to be on our knees before God asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in those areas. To help us to grow in those fruits of the Spirit that we talked about two weeks ago, right? That love and and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. All of those things that God wants to develop in us so we can uphold that precious and powerful name of Jesus. The only name in which there is healing and restoration. The only name that's going to bring us comfort and reconciliation and hope and forgiveness and strength and peace. Particularly when we call out that name in prayer. right? Just, just as David pointed to today in Psalm 54. Because, I mean, after all, if we could answer our prayers in our own name, why would we bother to pray at all? Right? You guys probably know Dr. Tony Evans, too. I know Pam and Bill know him uh he's an author and and uh, radio speaker from dallas texas Uh, he was once asked to give the opening prayer at the texas state legislature in austin Uh, but before he prayed the man who organized the event asked him just don't mention the name of jesus because it it might offend some non-christians that were in attendance and and dr evans tells the story uh, that he replied when he prayed to god he was praying to jesus and in Jesus' name, because Jesus Christ is God incarnate. And, and he pointed out, really logically, that he was about to ask God to do some very specific things for the legislature and for the state. And so his question back to this man that, that told him not to mention Jesus' name was, uh, who's going to answer the prayer if I don't address it to anyone? Right? Who's going to answer the prayer if I don't pray it in Jesus' name? Because he's the only one that has the power to do what I'm going to ask. He's the only one that has the power to do what I'm going to ask. And Dr. Evans was right. If we don't pray uh, in the name as David did, why bother praying at all? Because the truth is that to pray in Jesus' name means to pray with his authority. It means to pray according to his will. It means we're praying with his approval and to be consistent with who he is. To pray in his name means to pray really exactly what Jesus would pray in any particular situation if he were right here with us. And it means praying as if Jesus were praying instead of us. And so we cry out to him through the help of the Holy Spirit uh, and pray as David did, Oh Lord, save me by your name. Vindicate me by your might. God, hear my prayer and deliver me. Deliver me today, Lord, from those temptations of the enemy that are around me. Deliver me from those sins that are within me. Deliver me uh, from the world and from the flesh and from the devil. And Lord, hear our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.